bucks. Never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Hey, it's C Sparky Pfeiffer, 1250 AM. The fan, how are you doing on this beautiful day hopefully it's a beautiful day when you're listening to this podcast it should be as soon as you hear marzian's voice you feel better about yourself uh nathan marzian is there smile on his face ready to roll at nathan marzian on twitter you can follow me at sparky radio uh coming up uh, later in the week for our second podcast of the week i had a chance to sit down with chris monter of college basketball news and monter draft news and get to talking about uh, the nba draft coming up talking about uh, guys that may be around that Bucks second round pick, NBA age limit. We talked to Marquette in Wisconsin basketball. He lives in an area of Minnesota where Wisconsin has been a, a recruiting uh, hotbed, I guess, for Wisconsin Badger basketball and has some recruits going there. So we talk about some of those players uh, as well. And that'll be posting uh, on Thursday, coming up on Thursday. Uh, if you're looking for the Green and Growing podcast, you'll have it there. Why? Because uh, I'm headed to St. Louis for my kids uh, baseball tournaments. So I'm gone like Tuesday through the rest of the week. So I'm having to pre-record, you know, the green growing podcast, the curtain long podcast, all that, getting all that done uh, before I head out of town. Cause I have no idea how crazy busy that schedule is going to be. Nathan Marzian is nice enough uh, to always accommodate me whenever I ask, which is always a nice thing. Marzian, not a lot going on bucks wise, uh, but what is going on bucks wise is uh, the Boston Celtics. I uh, got Sam Cassell. We talked about that in the last podcast. And now they got Lee, who was Bud's assistant, who interviewed for a couple of different head coaching jobs, was a finalist, didn't get a job. So now Missoula uh, has got two guys that I really like. Uh, the Bucks, obviously, his staff has been put together. And also, I think I deserve, or I think I should give you credit that you deserve. Because I think you might let the cat out of the bag that you might have some sources last, uh, last podcast. Because we were talking about, did they retain... Oppenheimer or not. And I said, I don't remember seeing anything about them retaining Oppenheimer. And you went to your phone, I believe. And you said, Oh yeah, Oppenheimer and Vin Baker. And then I come to find out over the weekend, Eric name for the first time is reporting that they're keeping Oppenheimer and Vin Baker. And I'm like, well, 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 looky, looky here. Marzion had that before Eric name had that on social media. That that's pretty good. Nathan Marzion nicely done. My friend. I would love to take credit for it, but I want to find, there was a tweet on it. I don't know, but name, I saw a name. I, I go with name oh. uh, or Jim Ozarski. <laughs> so it was, it was Gary Wolfel. Oh, <laughs> I didn't okay. even realize. Gary Wolfel deserves credit then. I didn't even realize who I was getting it from. I just saw it. Sort yeah, of that's good though. Baker. So Gary Wolfel um, uh, deserves credit uh, for that. I just had dinner with him and Mike Clemens uh, last week, actually. Was it last yeah, week? He, yeah, last week. He he tweeted it on June 6th, so he tweeted it like yeah, this so time. Yeah, he had it a while week. ago. Yeah, so Eric yeah. Name had it over the weekend. Uh, so nicely done there. So yeah, Oppenheimer and Vin Baker back, along with the guys we talked about, Prunty and Stotts and all of that. Um, that's what led to this kind of this question. Like looking ahead to this upcoming season, it's kind of the Bucks against the Easter Conference. Uh, wanted just to kind of go through and see where everybody is. Uh, kind of looking ahead here as we get closer to the draft uh, coming up uh, at the end of the month. And I got spot track up to kind of go over salary cap situation. Uh, Marzian's going to have NBA draft order up to kind of go over uh, picks and so forth. You look at the Eastern Conference right now. The Pacers have $12.8 million uh, in cap space as of right now, uh, according, again, to uh, our guys over at spot track, which is a beautiful thing. 12 players signed. Uh, at this point, $12.8 million in cap space. The Detroit Pistons are next at $4.7 million uh, in cap space uh, in the East. Then Orlando, 
immediately under at 760,000. The rest of the NBA, there are four teams based on this cap space thing that have cap space. The rest of the NBA is in the negative. The whole rest of the league uh, is in the negative. Now, the leader in the clubhouse is Houston with $47.9 million in cap space right now. They have 11 players signed uh, at $86 million currently. That's where they are. Now, to give you an idea in comparison uh, to, say, the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, the Bucks have eight players signed. Eight. I said eight. Uh, $221.742 million. They're $87.7 million, uh, I guess you could say, in the hole uh, at this point. Super tax space for apron number two, uh, which is what you're trying to avoid. They are $16.4 million uh, away from that one. And again, you have to sign Middleton and Brooke Lopez, like we've talked about in the past. So from the aspect of who can really do something uh, as far as money goes, there's not a lot of guys that can do much of anything, like we talked about before, before with Brooke Lopez and Chris Middleton. From a draft pick compensation uh, or perspective, the Pacers and the Pistons are in good shape from that perspective, Nathan. Yeah, I mean, the, the teams that are going to be on the come up here are, I think the Magic is the obvious one because they have the two picks. They have six and 11 combined with, you know, their young talent that they had last year and they're going to get another year of those guys, you know, Paolo Bancaro, Franz Wagner. I just think that they could take, a, if there's a team that I'm guessing takes a leap into the, you know, from a non-playoff team to like a not even in the play-in team, like an actual playoff team, I would put a lot of money that it would be the Magic. Um, so I think they could definitely make some noise. Where, yeah, I mean, Indiana, Detroit, they're young, but I don't see them taking the leap that the Magic might. I just don't believe in like their cores quite as much. Um, what don't you like about Detroit's core? I'm kind of anxious about this one. I think they did a nice job last offseason kind of trying to patch this thing together. No, they they have a nice core, but I'm just saying I don't I don't see them taking a huge leap this year. And it could it could be something that happens like 3 years down the road. Sure. Um but as far as this next season coming up, I just I see the Magic as being far more, I don't know, top heavy talented right now that like they guys that really could make a jump next year. Um I just with the Pistons, I'm still a little bit like, okay, I think they're going to need a little bit more time, and they don't have as many pieces that I'm completely sure about. Like, I know Cade's good. Um, I think, you know, Ivy's, Ivy's pretty good, but we're not 100% sure on him. Yep. Um, and then, like, they now have James Wiseman, which is, like, a huge experiment. You know, th there's just pieces on there that I'm not really sure about, whereas with the Magic, I'm very confident in their top two guys. I'm very confident in Paolo. I'm very confident in Franz Wagner, and then you have a lot behind that you know guys that i'm like okay those guys are pretty good like those guys are valuable good players and so i that's the team that i'm just i'm and again on top of that they're adding six and they're adding 11 from the draft um and if the i'm Pistons, them i'm trying to get up to two or three with six and 11 and i don't yeah, even and, care how you get up there because i'm not sold on cole anthony at all uh fultz was a nice little gamble by them didn't cost him really anything uh, but again he's taken a step I would say full test since he got there for sure. Uh, but I still don't think he's that potential star necessarily going forward. And whatever you were to get at two or three would be better than what you currently have in that backcourt. Yeah. Getting either, you know, Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller would be awesome. Or, I mean, there are guys at six and 11 that you can get some really good guard. There's a ton of good guards in this class that like, I just, I think either way, there's just going to be so much young talent on that roster. And 
you know, again, I, I really do think that those top two guys, your two best players, are kind of ready to be good right now. It's not a case of, oh, they're going to need five years to really be good. Like right. I, I'm, I'm pretty sold on them right away, and so I'm just excited to see what they can do next year. But, um, you know, Detroit, it was disappointing for them that you know they they were hoping they could get the number one pick and they fell all the way to five, so that kind of takes away your chance at getting a not chance, but um, it takes away a lot of the likelihood of you getting like a surefire soup, not superstar, but a star player, you know, in either Wembenyama or Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller. Cause I think there's kind of a drop off after those three. Yep, agreed. And all of us, all of a sudden you're in a point where it's like, okay, we're just getting like a pretty nice prospect, but you, you don't, you don't know exactly what you're getting. You're not, you can't be sold that this guy is going to be a stud. Um, the bus potential is a lot higher than with those first three guys, in my opinion. So it's just very disappointing for them to fall out of that spot because it seemed like they could get a surefire guy to go along with, you know, Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey. And if they could have somehow gotten Wembenyama on top of that, it would have been absolutely huge. But obviously now they're at, you know, they're all the way to five and it's just, it's a little bit murkier now. And I just, I'm not sure I see a path to them being, a legitimately good team the coach, in the next couple years. The coach, man, Monty Williams, man, they backed up. See that to me, to me, that's my part of my holdup is Orlando and their the coaching that they got down there. And part of the reason why I'm a little bit higher on Detroit is Monty Williams has had crap before, right? Both stops, he was given crap and he figured it out and coached these guys up in both situations, younger type teams, and coached them up and got them to be where they wanted to go. And he's coming to another situation where it's here's a load of young dudes that have played like crap, figure it out, Monty. And I have faith that he's going to figure it out. And I'll tell you something else. James Wiseman, watch. He's going to ball. And he balled pretty good for them once they got him last year and was given an opportunity to play and didn't have Draymond and Steph and Clay and all this other stuff going on. You know, people don't understand this. And it is not easy to be a young guy coming into a veteran-laden team that's had the ultimate success time and time again, and then the labels and expectations are put on you to just get right in line and be playing at their level immediately. You're not giving any time to grow. You're not giving any time to make mistakes. He was hurt on top of that in Golden State. I think the kid was going to be a stud coming out. I still think the kid's going to be a stud. Uh, And now he's in Detroit with all that pressure essentially off uh, at this point. And now he's going to have the ability to go out and play. And maybe I'm wrong, but I think Monty Williams is going to put him in a position to succeed to go along with what they already have at the guard position. I mean, that for sure could be the case. And I'm not saying that they're going to suck. I'm not saying they're going to be... Well, they have sucked, so it wouldn't be that out of line to say they're going to suck again at this point. Well, but I think I, I'm. I think that they'll be better. I think that they have, you know, again with the young talent they have, I expect improvement. I expect them to be closer to being like uh, fighting for the play-in spot team. I just don't see them making any real noise. Whereas again, I, I do with the Magic. I could see a scenario where the Magic are like the sixth seed in the East, and it's like, oh wow, That's like this team jump. is. Yeah, I, I, I could see a scenario where that happens. Whereas again, with Detroit, I don't see that at all. Um, and you mentioned Monty Williams, but I mean, when he took over. For the Suns, it's like he had Booker, he had Aiton, he had Mikhail Bridges. He had, like there was a, a lot more talent on that roster. I think they had Kelly Oubre, more talent on that roster than I think the Pistons have right now. At, and it's just like I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying the Pistons aren't talented at all, but it, the the top end talent to me it's Cade, and then after that it gets kind of murky. Like I'm just right. not sure for I, I'm not 100 percent on who else is 
very legit. I like Jalen Duran. Um, they have some, you know, Boyan's good. Like I, I mean, he's a he's a solid player, but he doesn't really fit their team right now. He's an older-ish guy. I think they all, have to know, move him this offseason yeah. to a team that needs a piece to kind of put themselves over the hump or something along those lines and get a young piece in return, even if it's a draft pick. Just move on and let the young kids play. And same with same with Alec Burks. Um, that's a guy that I wanted the Bucks to go after because he, I was like, he fits the Bucks a little bit better than like Grayson, in my opinion. Um, but he and he also does not fit with the Pistons at all. Like he's a you know in his thirties on this team that like he's not giving you a ton with the Pistons. Like what is what is he really getting you? Correct. Um, might as well trade him and Boyan to get you know again more young talent. Try to really um, maximize your not that you have a window right now, but maximize just like the young talent you have and try to prepare for the future rather than just like letting these guys play out. And all of a sudden they're gone for nothing. What about the Pacers? I like Rick Carlisle. Don't get me wrong. All about Rick Carlisle. I don't think I'm sold that there is a legitimate kind of plan in place as far as how they get to the next level from where they are right now. I don't, I don't see the pathway to get from where they are right now. I think coming into the season, people had some hopes, maybe they slide into the playoffs and, they're that type of team that obviously never panned out or worked out. And I don't know how they get to the next level. I really don't. Yeah. They're that team that, yeah, they're kind of stuck in the middle right now. And they have obviously Halliburton's amazing. We like love that dude. He's really, really good. But again, outside of him, there isn't a second guy that I'm like, okay, I firmly believe in this guy. I firmly think that you can pair him with Halliburton. And that's Agreed. kind of your, that's your future to at least, you know, base everything on. Whereas again, with the Magic, you've got Franz, you've got Paolo, that's your base. And you can kind of build around that. If the sixth or 11th pick or whatever you turn that into pans out, all of a sudden you've got three things. And it's just like, that's a big starting point to have those guys. Um, they've got Halliburton. I, they seem like a team that really needs to make some trades here. They've got, guy, they've got tradable guys. I mean, they've wanted to trade Miles Turner forever, and he never gets traded. He's still only – he feels like he's been like – in the rumor to be or rumored to be traded for like four years. Yeah. He's still only 27 years old. Um, they've got Buddy Heald, who's now 30, and he's someone that definitely could be traded, has some value around the league. And so it's like, I would, again, kind of similar to the, the Pistons, just a little bit where it's like, okay, you've got these guys that are like good players. Are they probably fitting your timeline? No. You probably should trade them and, and try to start to, be more of a full rebuild and more of like yep. instead of just more in the middle. Um so yeah. And that comes down to ownership. I think people fans will realize this. Ownership has to sign off on a complete rebuild of hey dude, we're going to stink for the next 4 to 5 years maybe. Maybe longer. We're going to tear this thing down to the studs and start over. A, a lot of owners will not do that. Herb Cole never wanted to do that. Herb Cole wanted to battle for the 8 seed and and do that. A lot of these guys do not want to be in a situation where it's a ghost town in their stadium and they're losing their tail end because nobody's buying tickets. Nobody's watching on TV. So it's hard to sell TV. Nobody's listening on the radio. I mean, literally at one point in Bucks history, I could have got better ratings on a Bucks game reading the newspaper than they had actually people watching the game or listening to the game from a ratings perspective. They had like zeros on Fox Sports Wisconsin. It was like zeros. It was that bad. And to convince an owner that that's the right way to go about things, that's a tough sell. You know that's the right thing to go about way to go about things. I know that's the right way to go about things. But to convince a very rich person who got there by making money that 
it's going to be a wise thing to lose money for a few years. And there's no guarantee you're going to get out of it because not every year has a Weminyama to get you out of it. Uh, that's that's tough. Yeah, that's the thing is it's such a gamble that, you know, because again, you you know that, okay, if we are going to win a championship anytime soon, yes, that is that is the way to do it. But it's a you also risk just being bad for a while and you risk if if your picks don't pan out all of a sudden you're just a bad team and that's how people lose their jobs and all and it's like they don't want the guys that are in that position don't want to have to take that gamble they'd rather just be most of the time they'd rather just be good enough to get by good enough to sell some tickets and yeah we're not going to win a championship anytime soon but we want to keep our jobs we want to stay at least relevant because yeah i mean the bucks went into you know the bucks started becoming terrible but at the same time, and you're like, yes, it worked out for them. But at the same time, if they didn't luck into Giannis, it wouldn't have worked out for them. They'd, right. st- they'd, they'd still be irrelevant. They'd still be, yep. you know, they'd be not much better than they ever were with, you know, Brandon Jennings. They'd be one of those middle of the pack teams. And so it's like, it's a big gamble because you need to hit on some of those players. You need to just luck into something that you don't know is going to happen. And so, yeah, but these teams do, I mean, it just feels like they have players that, contending teams would like as you know missing pieces you know again such as miles turner Ty, uh uh not terry Silverton, buddy healed uh alec burks Boyan, those type of guys that okay they're not valuable on a young team but you can get value from an older team from a contending team that's willing to give up their picks willing to give up their young guys for those players and again i mean i with the bucks it's like I know the Pacers said they were, I'm going back into a Bobby trade, but the Pacers said they were looking for like a power forward. I'd give them Bobby if I could get, you know, maybe a, a body healed and a little bit more out, out of that. I would probably do that because it's like you can just get a one of the best shooters in the league that that's a thing that to me is more valuable than what Bobby's given me. They should just be exploring that type of stuff is what I'm saying. Yeah, I totally agree with you. All right, some more teams. I'm just going down the spot track list of uh, cap space or no cap space uh, in the East. Uh, next teams up, the Charlotte Hornets, the New York Knicks, the Atlanta Hawks. We'll kind of talk about that group in general. Uh, the Knicks, I think they're stuck in the middle. I, I don't think they have enough um, to win an NBA title. They need a legit star better than what they have on that roster right now. It's New York, so could somebody demand a trade to get themselves to New York to play for them? I think so. I think they absolutely could do that. But right now, they don't have a a true superstar player to lead them to a ring, I don't think. And that is what they're truly missing. And if they don't get that, they're going to be the perennial 6-7 seed, whatever the case may be, year in and year out, and probably not get much farther than that, Nathan. Yeah, and this was a pretty predictable one, even after they made those trades in the offseason and there was getting a little bit of hype. But it's like, yeah, you know, Brunson's good. Randall's pretty good. Barrett, he's on and off, but he, he can be good. Um, but it's just like, you're not winning anything with those guys. Like that's a, that's just a recipe to be in the middle. That's a recipe to be good enough to be relevant, but you're not going to win anything with that. And yeah, I just, they don't have any picks. I don't see the, the path to that happening. I mean, I don't see any trades they could make really that are just like, let me ask you a question. If they, if they had KD with that roster, that's good enough to compete to win the East. Yeah, you could win a title with Katie Brunson, Randall, right? Barrett quickly. Yeah. Like that's a that's a yeah yeah. But again, win. they're missing the most important part, which Correct. is the number one guy. That's the thing yep. is it's it's one thing to be missing. Oh, we need that number two, or we need that number three guy, or that you know bench piece, that depth piece. 
if you don't have the number one guy, that's the biggest, hardest part thing. Like that's the hardest thing to get. And so it's like, that's why, you know, with all these teams to like judge, you know, where they're going to be X amount of years from now or to judge their trajectory. I'm like, I, I kind of just based on how much do I believe in their number one or number two, if they have two really good guys, like how much do I believe in them? And can you win a title with these guys? Because if you can't, all right, like you're, you're not at square one at that point, but you are nowhere. You know, you're, if you don't have the number one guy, the guy that you trust can like lead your team at least far in the playoffs, it, you're just, you're not a real, like you're not a real threat at that point at all, because it's like, if you don't have that guy, it's not happening. Yeah. I totally agree with you on that. Uh, so that's the Knicks situation. The Hornets, I don't know, man. I don't I don't trust Michael Jordan and anything that they have going on over there. I heard rumblings that he might sell the team now. I, I, I don't I, I just I can't. I can't buy in. I like ball. I think he's a nice player. Uh, but again, we go back to is he good enough to be a one? I don't think he is. I don't think he's a true one. Uh and not as of right now, at least he's not a true one. You don't have that guy. Uh so that that's where I struggle with the Hornets. I I think they're kind of in a similar situation with even less talent than what the Knicks have. Yeah. I mean, they're like, they're obviously younger than the Knicks, less talent, probably, I don't know. Is their ceiling maybe a little bit higher? Yes. If, you know, they have LaMelo, they have Mark Williams. I love PJ Washington. He's a guy that I've wanted the Bucks to get. Yeah, for I like know. A couple yep, years. Yep, yep, yep. I love that guy. Um, but yeah, they're, as far as worst probably GM jobs to have, they're up there because they're just, they're in that they're in that territory where it's like there's not much optimism. There's not much to really be excited about. You know, at least the teams like you know, at least the teams like Detroit and like the Magic, those teams and even even the Knicks, yeah, it's like those they have though you know, a few legit players. They have a few pieces that you can be excited about. I don't really see that that much with the but What Hornets. about the draft? Uh, this what, year. What about the draft for New Orleans? There's got to be, or not for New Orleans, for Charlotte. There's got to be something, something coming here that could help possibly the 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 vaunted Charlotte Hornets. Everybody back in the day always would think that the NBA was rigged on the draft lottery and da 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 da. Listen here, I'm here to tell you, if the NBA was rigged, they would have helped Michael Jordan out a long time ago to make sure he got somebody. Like if they were ever going to help somebody out, it would have been this year. Get Jordan Webinyama. Uh, and let let Webb and Yama pull Jordan's franchise out of the ashes. That would make the most sense. Obviously, that did not happen. All right, Nathan, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I mean they're gonna get they're gonna get either Scoot or Brandon Miller in yep. here. Is him with Lamelo? Is one of those players with Lamelo good enough to get you anywhere? Well, that's the question. Are one of those two guys good enough to be a superstar? Because to me, my thing is. Scoot is probably probably the higher ceiling guy of the two, in my opinion. I, I really like wrong. Brandon. Yeah. And so does that probably have a higher ceiling? Yes. But he also, I don't know if he can play with LaMelo. Whereas the guy that I know can play with LaMelo, I don't believe has the ceiling to get that team anywhere. Um, I don't, I like, I like Brandon Miller. I just, I'm not sure he has the ceiling to, oh, it's him and LaMelo and they're going to just take over and make this team relevant again. I'm not sure about that. Um, so there's still definitely, even after they get, you know, even after they draft someone or if they, you know, I mean, they could trade the pick, whatever, but even after they draft someone, they, uh, they are going to be several pieces away and really hoping that, you know, again, hoping that Mark Williams turns out probably trying to trade 
you know, you've got Rozier, you've got they still have Gordon Hayward on that team, I think. Ubri, PJ Washington, like again, I don't. By the time the team's good, around him, you know, it, it, that's the thing with a lot of these teams. It's like they have these pretty good young-ish guys, but it's like by the time that everything else kind of pans out, is that guy really going to be young right. anymore? No. So all of a sudden you're kind of like, what do you do with this piece? Because it, I'm not sure how it fits into the puzzle. I don't know. It's hard to get it all to work. Like, it, again, in my opinion, you, in my opinion, you can't like make your whole team young and just try to get everything to come together at once. You got to, again, get that number one, number two piece in there. And those guys can be young and you wait for them to pan out, which is again, exactly what the magic are doing. They've got two young guys that look like they are going to pan out. And then after that, you don't need to keep the rest of the team young. It's like just plugging guys around them. You know, they can be older players. They can be more proven guys that don't have a huge ceiling. You know what they are, but it's like, just put them around these good players that you have. And all of a sudden you're in business. And again, it's a reason why like the magic, they're going to have, you know, they're going to have more young players after this draft, most likely if they, you know, if they keep the picks, you're going to have a plenty of guys that you can then deal if, all of a sudden, you know, again, Paolo and Franz are working out and it's like, okay, you know, this is moving faster than we thought. And some of these other guys are kind of behind and they're going to take a little bit more time. Okay, you can trade those and get quite a bit of value from a team that is looking for young players and getting rid of their more proven guys. And all of a sudden you're, you you can get Franz, Paolo, and a couple proven guys around them. And it's like, okay, you're in business then. Like that's, again, how you kind of start to get a tight or a contending core is to get those top two guys and then work with everything or then um, manage everything around that as you go. You know, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to all, I feel like people have this idea that it's got to like all be young or all be old or like it's, it, and it's like, no, you can have your, your young guys and your um, top two guys be young and then everything else be old around. Like it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And you know, there's plenty of ways to do it. A team that should completely blow itself up. Washington wizards. Complete, uh, horrendous, just, I mean, it's horrible. Like, they should literally just put everybody up for sale, including Bradley Beal, and, like, do what you said. Bottom out. Because they are going nowhere fast at this point are the Washington Wizards at all. Meanwhile, you got the Bulls, who kind of got completely derailed by Lonzo Ball's uh, issues with his back uh, and never really got this whole thing figured out. Uh, Levine was hurt on and off again. DeRozan was DeRozan. So there's that. Vucevic, you know, whether or not he's back long-term, that's another question there. They've got pieces. It's just whether or not you want to continue with those pieces with Billy Donovan as your head coach. And then Atlanta, you you have Trey Young, you get him Deontay Murray, and it didn't really matter. There wasn't a big enough difference to say that Deontay Murray deal actually worked out for the Atlanta Hawks at this point. So of those three teams, pick which one you want to talk about, Marzian. Well, I just want to say, I think the team I'm most optimistic, or not even optimistic, but just like the team that I would like the best of those three is the Hawks. Now, Bulls and Magic are the two, if I did, if you said, name me the two most mediocre teams in the league, those are the two like that are stuck the most in the middle, that don't have a ton of young talent, that have a, you know a few good players that are keeping them. Bulls and who? Who is the other team? Bulls and Wizards. Oh, I, I thought you said Magic. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Bulls, Bulls and Wizards. And yep. Wizards. Yep. Those are the, those are the two that I'm definitely like. They're the they're the worst position to be in in the league. Um, I know the Bulls. I heard there was a rumor that they might keep Vucevic, which is like yeah, why. I, that's I yep, just don't that's heard it. the same thing. Um, they the Wizards should definitely be trying to trade Beal. I think 
I've heard some rumors that it, it would make sense for them to trade Beal to Philly if Harden leaves and they can get like Tobias Harris and some picks back. Tobias Harris an expiring contract and then you can free up some cap space, kind of really restart things, which is what they need to do. Because again, you're not winning anything with Beal. He's getting paid, I think it's $57 million in 2026 for Bradley Beal. Like, uh, that's disgusting. So... 100%, I think they need to be trying to trade him to a team that is, you know, I think Philly's the perfect one because they're just looking for, especially if Harden leaves, they're going to be looking for that one other score right. to put, a, and him and Embiid are friends. So I could see that being a, a trade that easily could go down um, and then trying to just restart. But with the Bulls, it feels like the Bulls never want to restart. Like they never want to just be terrible. They right. always just want to stay, stay afloat. Yeah. yeah, Jerry Reinsdorf. I mean, that's the same same old, same old. Nothing's changed in there. And they're trying their best to kind of figure this whole thing out. And whether or not they will or not, we'll have to wait and see. There was a lot of hope that they could end up in that top three. And obviously that didn't happen. Uh, okay, so let's move on. Cleveland Cavaliers was a team that I think uh, a lot of people thought uh, is going to be somebody to be dealt with here in the next two or three years. They had their coming out party a little bit this year. Donovan Mitchell was a huge piece in all of that uh, for the Cavaliers. What type of step do you think Cleveland takes next year? Um, man, it's tough to say. I, I think Mobley takes a step for sure. Mitchell price stays about the same. I think Garland could take a step. I could see them trading Jared Allen. Um, I'm cause the way that playoff, the way the playoffs went, it, it, I don't know. It doesn't feel like something that you're just like, ah, give them a year and they will be a lot better and everything will work out. It felt like there was something, I don't know, systematically wrong with that, with what they were doing and having, you know, Jared Allen, Mobley, and a not very good small forward on the court together. It's like you're kind of not – you don't get much offense out of three out of your five spots at that point. You know, you're only getting your offense really from Mitchell and Garland, and, you know, their their offense was awful in the playoffs. So it's like I could see them trying to trade, trade Jared Allen. They need wings. They need anyone they can put at small forward that can, you know, at least score somewhat reliably. They've been needing that. They needed that all of last year too. So um yeah, we'll see what they do. But I mean I believe I believe in Mobley and I believe in Garland and Mitchell. Like I those are that's a that's a pretty good starting point to have. Not sure if they'll ever get to championship level with those three guys. It you know, if Mobley really takes off, then yes they could, but um my guess would be they become more of like a you know, they're contending to win the East, but they might not ever do it. They might you know, I don't think they ever win a title with with that core, um, but they for sure need wings right now, and you have to hope that Mobley, uh, you know, makes some makes some improvements offensively and everything. But I really like Garland; he's been he's really good. We got to talk about Philly and Boston here before we wrap this up. Uh, Philly, you you brought up Beal. I'll ask you: Would you rather have Beal than Harden? If you're a Sixers fan right now, looking at this team going forward, or would you rather have Harden back? Probably Beal. With Harden, I just – neither one of them I like that much. I think they're both not really winning players. But if I had to choose, I'd be like, I don't want to just run it back with this – With I, I I can't run it back with Harden and Embiid and be super happy about that. Like, I just can't do it. So I'd rather just try to get someone new in. Um, Beal's, you know, a worse playmaker than Harden, but a better scorer at this point in his career. So I'm, I'm probably rolling with Beal. Do you think that's the biggest thing for them this offseason? Or do you think they need help elsewhere in Philadelphia besides just that that guard position? Um, 
I mean, I think that's probably what they'll do, and I think that that should be good enough to keep them a contender is to, you know, because I think most people are assuming that Harden probably goes. I, I'm I'm expecting him to probably go. So if you can fill that spot then with a with with another you know twenty point per game score, you're okay. You can kind of patch that hole and move on. But ultimately, we're not going to know until we see. We're not going. Nobody's going to believe in them until we actually see it happen. You know, nobody's going to think that they're getting out of the second round until it actually happens. So yep. there's really nothing they could do short of getting and it's not going to happen, but short of getting like a Damian Lillard to pair with Embiid, there's nothing else they could do that would really make you believe in them or be confident in them. You know, they got Nick Nurse in there, so the coaching thing looks more optimistic, but you don't really trust Embiid. There's no reason to believe in Bradley Beal in the playoffs at this moment. So it's just like, I, it's probably as good as you can do. It's probably, a, a, and they have Maxi, which is nice, but it, it's just like, I I can't really ever have confidence in them until we actually see it happen. Boston Celtics last team to wrap it up. They are the true threat, I think. Uh, Miami Heat obviously are in the NBA Finals. They're going to come back probably for the most part intact next year with Spolstra, one would think. Um, so we know what they are uh, going forward. I'm not sure if I even view them as a threat next year, even though they got in their little magical run in the playoffs yet again. The Boston Celtics, uh, they decided to break Missoula. Uh, it looks like Tatum and Jalen Brown possibly staying together. Uh, what do you think Boston needs to do to get themselves into a finals? Probably a Marcus Smart trade, maybe, if they want to change things up. I think they need more of a, kind of like the Bucks a little bit, they need more of a primary ball handler. They need someone who can actually run the run the show a little bit. And so it's not just Tatum and Brown taking turns, you know, just creating offense for themselves. You know, I think they need a little bit more of like, a, a true offense with an initiator and with, you know, you're actually running stuff and not just giving it to those two guys and letting them kind of go to work. So yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of toward in terms of like what I think is best for them. And, you know, do you, do you get rid of Jalen Brown? Do you keep them together? I'm not sure because again, you don't know exactly what you can get for Brown and you don't know how it would work. You, you know what you have with Tatum and Brown. It's a, it's a duo that can get you, you know, it can compete in the East get you to the finals if you have the right pieces around it. Now, again, the problem is you're going to be paying those guys so much if you keep them that you're not going to really be able to afford a great team around them. So at that point, are they good enough anymore to get you to the finals? I don't know because what got them to the finals in 2022 was having all those role players on you know behind them and having guys that were just perfect in their roles and being a really deep team. Um, so... It's going to be interesting to see what happens with that if they're paying those guys that much, um, how they're able to keep the the role players, you know, how, how what they're able to do with those guys and how they look when they're when Tatum and Brown kind of are forced to carry the team a little bit more than they even have been if the role players aren't as good. What if it's a side and trade Brown for Damian Lillard? Dame said he's not going to Boston, so I don't think. Yeah, that's I know happen. what he but, said. I'm just saying I, Lillard and Tatum could be dangerous. Yeah, I mean, I would do it if I was Boston, but I just, I don't, I don't think the Blazers will do. It. I don't think Dame wants to do that. Um, so, because Portland I, needs a young player back, I think if they're going to trade him, that they can build around and sell the fan base on. Jalen Brown would definitely be a guy they could sell the fan base on, of being that next star player to build around going forward. Because other than that, I can't see why you would ever trade Damian Lillard from the Portland Trailblazers at this point. Yeah, but again, I mean, Brown's nice, but I don't think he's ever a number one guy, and so. 
to I mean to trade Dame and get someone who is like not a number one is kind of just a number two. I don't know how I feel about that. Now you'd you know you'd have the number three pick to try to hit on that and you know whatever. There's there's some optimism there, yes, but it's like I don't know if you're getting rid of Damian Lillard. I just I'd want to get a little bit more. I'd want to get something that I'm a little bit more hopeful can turn into a number one piece potentially. I, I like with Brown. I just feel like we kind of know what he is. We kind Agreed. of know that he's he's a number two. Yep, totally agree. He is Nathan Marziad. Follow him on Twitter at Nathan Marziad. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Green and growing Thursday. Chris Monter uh, of uh, College Basketball News and Monter Draft News. Check that out. Lots of fun conversation about the NBA draft coming up and a bunch of other topics as well, including some Marquette and Wisconsin uh, recruiting talk as well. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a good one, y'all. Talk to you next week. Have a good one.